Amen? Amen. Well, how many of you feel a little bit odd this morning sitting in your car at church? If you do, flash your lights. You ought to be in my shoes. This is the most unusual thing I think I've ever done in my life. And so uh, we're going to have a good time uh, this morning. I want to encourage you this morning because uh, we live in a world, man, when we start watching the news, it can be discouraging. How many of you have found yourself in a place a little darker than you normally are because you watched the news a little bit too much? If that's you, blow your horn. Well, I want to tell you this morning, in those moments, that is when we turn our eyes from the television to the God who created it all, to the God who came to this earth and died on a cross for our sins, the God who loves us for all of eternity and is in, in the process right now of preparing us a place in heaven with Him. And so today we're, we're going to continue in our journey through the gospel according to John. And we're going to do that because that's where we were last uh, two weeks ago before Clark preached for me last week. And so today we're going to be back in, in the Gospel of John. And it's no coincidence that we'll be in chapter 8, which is a chapter that God authored a couple thousand years ago, perfectly timed, perfectly appropriate for this very day, this very hour, in this very season. And so, getting us up to speed in John chapter 8, and you can find your way in your word or on your device, and, but to get us into the storyline, I want to back up, and just a few weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 6, and it was called, Not Always a Picnic. And in that story, Jesus has just fed about 15 to 20,000 people with a sacked lunch. And it was an amazing day, the greatest picnic in all of history. But on the other side of the picnic, the disciples found themselves in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in a treacherous storm. And so in that message, we talked about that it's not always a picnic. And church, I want to tell you something. We have been living in an absolute picnic world. God has blessed us abundantly. God has provided for us in enormous and uh, abundant ways. And for the world and even most of the church, we've taken it for granted. We've taken our liberties and our freedoms for granted. And today we find ourselves in a storm. And in that message, we talked about that there's two kinds of storms in this world. There, there is a storm that perfects those who are living in obedience to God. And there's storms that correct those who are outside of God's will, living in disobedience. And so we moved on from chapter 6, and we moved to chapter 7, and it was called Living Out the Greatest Plan. The greatest plan ever given in this life is God's plan for our life. And we talked about that God always has a plan for you. God always has a plan for me, and it's bigger than we know. But there's an enemy and his number one tactic to derail us from the plan that God has for us, both as a church and as individual believers in Jesus. His number one tactic, his number one trick is distraction. 
And, and so what he wants to do is, is get, us our, get our eyes off of Jesus and get our lives off track with the journey that he has for us. And we live in a world that has been distracted. We live in a church culture that is very distracted. And so I believe God is using this time to bring reality to those two messages and to remind us first that God is still on His throne and God still has a plan. So what we have is, is we have a choice. Jesus wants this storm to perfect us and to correct us. And the devil wants to use this storm to distract us. And our part in the equation is which one we will allow. We, will we allow God to use this to perfect and correct, or will we just allow the enemy to use this to distract us from what it is God wants us to do? And so with that, I want to move into a new place. It's called John chapter 8, verses 12 through 14, and the title of the message today is A Bright Light for Dark Days. A Bright Light for Dark Days. You see, before time began, God knew about this thing that we would identify and title the coronavirus. God knew about it in His sovereignty. God allowed it according to His sovereign plan. God knew that you would be sitting in this parking lot on this hill on this day. Pretty amazing when you think about it. And yet that's the God that we serve. If you agree with that, give me an amen. So I want to begin by reading John chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. Excuse me, 12 through 14. It says, Then Jesus spoke out again, and He said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows Me will never walk in darkness and will have the light of life. The Pharisees respond in verse 13, and they say, You testify of yourself, and your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered and He said, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you people do not know where I came from or where I am going. So Jesus says number two of His seven great I Am statements about Himself. And this one is this, I am the light of the world. That's an incredible truth. Now, I was thinking about it, and, and I started studying about why God would, Jesus would call himself the light. Why would he do that? Well, first of all, point number one is this, Jesus is the light. And so, why light? I, I want to I give you some ideas, some things that, that have kind of blazed across my heart of why Jesus called himself the light of the world. Why light? Because light is the most obvious most consistent and most useful thing above all things. But at the same time, it is the most incomprehensible, unchangeable, and expansive of all things that God created. Jesus could have said He is anything in the world, but Jesus chose to say He is the light of the world. And so I want you to know today that the thing that has confounded the most brilliant minds in all of history, Jesus is that. Jesus is that. Jesus is saying that thing that has confused the most brilliant minds in all of creation. That thing that changes everything in our daily life. 
that thing that is the most obvious thing that every human being will ever experience, and yet that thing that nobody can wrap their minds around, Jesus says, that's me. He is the light of the world. Not only that, there's something else that we need to know about light. Most of us know it, and that is the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. So fast, it, it's beyond anything that we can understand. We can only gather understanding of it theoretically. And yet Jesus says, uh, yeah, that's, that speed of light thing, that's how fast I can allow myself to join you in the middle of your storm. Jesus says, that speed is the speed at which I come rushing into your sinful condition to wash away your sin and erase your, your, your uh, a broken, cursed condition and make you new again. What else is, is, is characteristic about light? And it's this, it's, it, it's illuminating feature. It's illuminating feature. How illuminating is light? The light can shine and light up billions and trillions of stars with its fusion. It can blister the moon with a light so that just the reflection upon the moon will light our globe. Jesus says the whole magnitude of brightness, that's how I show up in your world. I am so bright that even an indirect experience with someone who is just reflecting it can change the world around the reflection. Jesus says, that's who I am. How powerful is this thing called light? Jesus says, I am the light. How powerful is light? Albert Einstein, in 1917, wrote a theory about uh, confining light, about focusing a beam of light. 43 years later, it would become a reality, and it's known as a laser. A laser is, is light amplification, stimulant emission of radiation. And I know most of y'all knew that, okay? Now this came from a theory in the early 1900s. Very few people even understand what this is. You have to be like my wife Kendra, Albert Einstein, and some of those people to gather what this even means. And so how powerful is a laser when you take light and you focus it into a direct beam, there's lasers right now created by Lockheed that can melt the engine of a vehicle from a mile away with lightning speed. There's lasers that can cut steel from a half mile away. They are so strong now, lasers are, that they can convert any product to plasma. Plasma is a condition found mostly only in outer space. Jesus says that is the power that I am. I want you to know today that when Jesus said he's the light, that's an important thing in this dark world that we live in. Jesus says the power that I have is greater than what we even understand in a laser beam. Jesus says the power that I possess was manifested when just with my word I created everything that exists in just six literal days. 
I took absolutely nothingness and made it into absolute everythingness. I took no product, ex nihilo. I took nothing and made everything, and I did it with a word. That's who Jesus is as the light of the world. And so, how important now is light in our life? Light is required for what's called photosynthesis. You see, by the sun shining, by light, things grow. When light ceases to exist, things no longer grow. Jesus gives us our physical birth. Jesus offers us a spiritual birth. The light of Jesus created our existence. The light of Jesus' crucifixion, burial, and resurrection authors us new life and new birth. What does light do? Light illuminates. Light shines on things formerly not seen to reveal them. What does that look like? You go to the doctor. They shine a light in your ear. You go to the dentist. They shine a light in your, in your mouth. You go to get a colonoscopy, and you're glad when it's over. Amen? Amen. Jesus shines to reveal who we really are. Jesus shines His light into our life, not to reveal how good we are, not to point to us and say, wow, you are so impressive. He shines His light to reveal our total sinfulness and our need for total salvation. That's what Jesus the light does. So how important is the light for the journey that we live? The light is how we navigate. If you go out at night, you better take a light. That's how we get around. During the day, the sun is shining. That's how we navigate. That's how we see the path that we're to be walking on. Now I want you to know something. It's, it's critically important that we don't just have some light. It's really important that we have the right light. It's really important that we have the full light. And it's really important that we have the real light. Because partial illumination can mess you up. And let me tell you what that looks like. Uh, just a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so now, I was in Africa on mission. And while in Africa on mission, we were staying at a lodge. And uh, it's very dark in Africa at night. Very very dark. And at night, sometimes in Africa, it gets cold. And on this particular night, it was rainy, it was cold, and it was dark. And so I'd made my way back to my cabin. It was a really nice cabin. And uh, partial light will mess you up. This is what that looks like. I, I went into my cabin and I was cold. And I was tired. And there's no heating and air condition in Africa. And so my bed was there and it had a mosquito net around my bed. And I was anxious to get under the covers because it was cold. So I got ready for bed and the room attendant had left a small nightlight on in my room. And so I went into my room and uh, got ready for bed, small light on, whipped back the covers, laying in my bed, there was a furry creature jiggling at me I didn't know if it was an African groundhog. 
African wolverine or what it was, but it was laying in my bed. Furry, brown creature shaking at me in the bed. And so I reached over to turn on a, a better light. So then I could determine whether I wanted to fight or flee. And when I turned on the light, the little creature stopped shaking at me. He calmed down. Now what I did not know, because Keith and Tanya had not told me that in Africa, since they don't have heaters, they have what's called a bed warmer. A bed warmer is a rubber bladder covered in dark brown fur that they fill with hot water. And so what I had laying in my bed was not a wolverine, it was a bed warmer. So after I realized that and changed my underwear, I got in bed and I slept all night with my little woolly wolverine friend. Now the point of that story is this. In this world we live in, a little bit of light is okay, but it can mess you up. You need full light. You need the right light. You need a real light. You need a light to light up this world to help us navigate the path and the journey that we're on. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, the one that follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want you to look to the person, the person or persons sitting in your car and tell them, Jesus is still the light. If you're watching this online, I want you to look over on the couch next to you. I want you to look at your children and I want you to say, Jesus will always be the light of the world. Now, why do we need a light? Well, what's the value of the light? I, I don't care to tell you, I am a light guy. I, I like sunshine from the time I was a little boy. I lived in the sunshine. We would stay outside all day long playing in the sun, riding bicycles and swinging and playing in the woods and building forts and throwing rocks, but it was always outside in the sun. Never wanted to come in. To this very day, I like it hot. I like it sunny. I work better outside in the sun. I play better outside in the sun. I enjoy life better outside in the sun. But sometimes things just get dark and we need a light. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but lately we live in a fog. We just live in an absolute gray matter, rainy season. I, I, I did a little research into what our days have looked like for the last few months. In December, we had four inches of rain. 14 days of the month, it rained. Now, you know what, how this works. It, that's not sunny, and then tomorrow it's rainy, and the next day it's sunny. It's cloudy and ugly and it rains and it's still cloudy and ugly and then the sun goes BAM for a minute and it's cloudy and ugly again, right? So that's in December. And then we moved into the wonderful month of January and we had 7.9 inches of rain. 12 days plus the cloudy days in January. And then we moved to February. 10.8 inches of rain. 21 days of rain in February plus the cloudy days. Now we're in March. 
March, we've already had four and one-half inches of rain, in, in the, in, which is 11 out of the first 23 days of our month. And then, as if that's not dark and gloomy and cloudy enough, I don't know if you heard, but there's a thing called the coronavirus. And so we have a tendency to allow our environment, to allow the circumstances of our world, to allow the news broadcast to bring our countenance down, to bring our focus from up where it should be down to the world around us. And we need a light. If you feel like some of these last few days you needed a little extra light, give me an amen. So you see, you're not alone. You're not alone. Every one of us. Kendra and I have conversations about it on a regular basis. <laughs> amen. Caitlin and I have a, a conversation about it on a regular basis. Kelsey and I have a conversation about it on a regular basis. Daryl and Tanner and, and uh, Clark and Oscar and everybody else in my circle. We have conversations about the darkness. Why is it important that we have some light in our world? When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, it's bigger than we know. He was comparing himself to something tangible for us. He was painting a picture of the greatness of who he is simply by saying, I am the light of the world. Listen to what light does, what sunlight does in the life of a human being. Uh, number one, it causes the production of melatonin, which will help us sleep. The sunlight helps us battle stress. The sunlight helps us get rid of depression. The sunlight reduces high blood pressure. The sunlight can clear up skin disorders. Sunlight helps produce more white blood cells for defense against infections. I found this one interesting. Exposure to sunlight can help women alleviate symptoms of PMS, such as depression, mood swings, physical discomfort, social withdrawal, and irritability. Now, I've got, I raised two daughters. I'm married. I have a granddaughter. I don't even know what that's talking about. I have no idea what that's talking about, just for the record. All right? But I thought it was interesting nonetheless. Now, I think this one is interesting. Sunlight increases natural vitamin D, which is linked to decreased premature labor and reduced overall complication and risk during pregnancy. Isn't that cool? Sunlight even changes the way a mother carries her baby and a baby's response to growing up in her mother's womb. Now that's really important at the Church of Turkey Hills because this is fertile ground on this hill. And we've got a half a dozen mothers pregnant right now. It's really important for some, like I mentioned last week when I did that infant baptism because I didn't know she was pregnant, for Lindsay and Brian Hicks and their baby, okay? It's important if you are my daughter, Kelsey Stepp, because she's pregnant. I snuck that in. Hey! That's right, I'm going to be... That's right, I'm going to be Popo again, all right? Now, it's important that we understand the value of sunlight, and we all need a little light in our life. And Jesus says, you, if you're looking for light, 
I am the light of the world. He is the light of the world. So listen to me. You're here today. You're watching online. In these dark days that we've had, I truly believe it's going to get darker. But Jesus shines brighter the darker our world gets. I want you to know, Jesus will be shining brighter for your darker world. The question is whether or not you will look to Him and allow Him to shine bright in your life. The second thing is that Jesus has always been the light. Jesus always was the light. Jesus told the Pharisees when they said, you're testifying about yourself, but your testimony is not true. Jesus said, even if I'm testifying about myself, my testimony is true. He said, because I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. And you don't know where I came from, and you don't know where I'm going. He says, you guys pretend to have a relationship with me, God, and yet your only relationship is with your religion. And I'm afraid we live in a world today where many people have a relationship with a religion instead of having a relationship with a God, with the God, with the light of the world. What was he talking about when he said, I know where I came from? Jesus is trying to remind the Jewish zealot, the Pharisees, that the first thing they memorized as Jewish boys was Genesis. Memorize the whole book. And, and when they finished Genesis, they memorized Exodus. And when they finished memorizing Exodus, they went on and memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. Jesus is telling them, in the first thing you learned, I was there. I didn't become there. I was not created there. I just took my existence as the light and showed up there. And it's, and it's no small thing. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You got God the Father. You got the Holy Spirit. There's one missing in the three parts of God and He shows up in verse 3. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. It's not the sun, not the, not the S-U-N. The sun, moon, and stars aren't created yet. Jesus shows up and Jesus is saying, I know where I came from. Jesus says, I was the light before light ever existed on this planet. I was the light before I ever created the first eye to even perceive lightness. He says, I have always been light. Before creation, he says, I was light. Now, Here's what's amazing about light. Light dispels darkness, and yet darkness cannot dispel or even contaminate lightness. All of us are civilized, well, most of us, and we live in homes. And at night, when you walk into a dark room, you turn on the light. 
And when you're finished in the room, if you are a good steward of electricity, when you leave, you flip the switch, a switch down, it, which does what? Turns on the darkness, right? No. You don't turn on the darkness. The darkness exists all by itself. The darkness is the natural state. And so when you flip the switch, light chases darkness out of the room. And the only way darkness will ever interfere or contaminate or contact light is if light leaves the room. I want you to know today, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus has always been the light of the world. Jesus wants to shine bright in your life right now. Now listen to me. Many of us today are experiencing darkness in our lives. That darkness will not go away by reading a book. That darkness will not go away by saying positive things. That darkness will not go away by doing something physical, working out or running or whatever. The darkness can only be removed when light is allowed to come in and illuminate it and chase it away. And so Jesus is saying, I have always been the light and I'll show up and light your world too. And then lastly, Jesus will always be the light. Jesus says, not only do I know where I came from, Jesus says, I know where I'm going. And you don't know where I came from or where I am going. And so he says now where he's going. I, 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 he could have said, uh, guys, listen, I, I understand you're questioning the reality that I'm saying I am the light of the world. I understand that. But if you'll just remember what Simeon said when I was just a little baby. I mean, he was your priest. And he knew that I was the light of the world. Well, they had forgotten that. He could have said, if you'll go back to Isaiah, you'll find out that Isaiah, one of your greatest prophets, told you that I would be the light of the world. I think Jesus could have said, if you'll just read the book of Revelation that John wrote about all the future, and then he would say, oh, yeah, I haven't given you that yet. You see, Jesus could have told them anything. Jesus knew what they failed to comprehend. And, and over in Revelation 21, we have something about the future that they did not have. Listen what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. This is the city called the new city, heaven. It does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. In heaven, for all of eternity, the same Jesus who is the light of this, the world. That same Jesus who knows where he came from, who existed as light before time began. That same Jesus will be lighting heaven as the lamp for all of eternity. That's who we're talking about today. That's who we can be encouraged by today. So how do we leave today? 
What do we learn today? And how do we live today knowing that Jesus is the light of the world? I, I want you to look over my left shoulder and I want you to look over your right shoulder. And in this valley beside us and around us, there are over 1,000 homes. Most of them have been constructed in the last 15 to 20 years. Now, there's many people over in there that today they'll watch their church, maybe online. Maybe there's many of those people that won't watch online because they may be somewhat affiliated with a church, but it's irregular. And whether they watch it online kind of lines up with whether they were planning to go today or not. Maybe they were like many people, they just take it for granted. But I want to tell you something about the vast majority of this valley. The vast majority of this valley over my shoulder and over your shoulder are in darkness today. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to God. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there are upon it. From that scripture, we know that most people simply do not have Jesus in their life. Most people are not saved. Most people walk every day in the darkness that we as Christians only encounter when there's a situation in our world like there is today. So what do we do? You ready? We pray like it matters. You know why we pray that way? Because it matters. And so right now, I want you to join me and we're going to pray. And after we finish praying, we're going to sing a song and then we're going to dismiss. What do I want you to pray for? What do we need to pray for? I want you to pray for that other person sitting in your car, sitting in your living room if you're watching online. I want you to pray for those little boys and girls that are in this world and they're hearing the stories because they're watching the adults. And they're beginning to question and be a little concerned. I want you to pray for this church and the churches in our area because the church is the one who carries the light. The church is the one who has been given uh, the power to impact our dark world. So I want you to pray for our churches, not just this church, but all of the churches in our neighborhood. Faith Promise Satellite Campus up on the hill. Wallace Memorial over here on Merchants Road. Daney Church of God right down here. Daney Baptist right over here. Uh, the Shepherd of the Hills over here on whatever, uh, whatever that road is. Uh, uh, over here in... Uh, halls, these churches, Salem over on the hill, Beaver Dam, uh, Clear Springs, churches all around us. I want you to pray for those churches. But I want you to bring it in up close and personal. I want you to pray for your church family. I want you to pray for your pastor, your pastors, your leaders, your small group leaders. And I also want to corporately pray for two dear friends of mine who are in a battle. One of them Barry Collins and he's fighting a good fight the Lord is taking care of him I want you to to pray for Barry and Lori by name today I want you to lift them up in your prayers I want you to pray for Jason and Kim Melton Jason Melton is one of our men's group leaders and six weeks ago he was healthy and fine and through a series of sicknesses which started as a as a sinus infection and developed pneumonia moved from there to kidney infection and failure and then 
His heart got fluid on it. And then the other day, he was diagnosed with lymphoma. He's at UT Hospital. I, talked, I called him to encourage him, and he encouraged me. I, I told him, I said, this is not right. I called you to encourage you, and you're encouraging me. He told me, he said, when I get, when I get on the other side of this, I'm going to go hunting for the devil. And he said, every day that I wake up, the devil's going to say, oh no, he's up again. I mean, he's, he's charged up. I want you to pray for him. So right now, let's bow our heads. Grab the hand of the person next to you, whether it's in your car, whether it's at home, and join me as we pray. Father, we come to you, and we thank you, God, for being the God of all creation. We thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to be the light of this world. We thank you, God, that in our darkest moment, whether it's spiritual because we're still under the curse of the fall of sin, whether it's emotional because we look around this world and we're worried about this disease called coronavirus. God, whether it's financial darkness because we watch the stock market and we, we watch our retirement change. God, whether it's a family darkness because we're wondering who's going to keep our children since they're not in school. God, whether it's a darkness physically because of a sickness, we bring it all to you, God, and we thank you that Jesus wants to shine light into the darkness. And God, right now we lift up those churches around us, those pastors, those leaders, those believers. We pray, God, that they would shine your light in the dark world. God, we pray for those around the world who have lost loved ones who are battling this sickness right now. And God, we pray for a quick eradication of the coronavirus, that you will begin to build a hedge of protection around individuals and you will move this thing on by. But God, not that we won't be unchanged by it, God, but we will be changed and moved, that we will be revived, that our hearts will be alive, will be beating stronger and fresher for you. And God, we pray in particular on this day for Barry and for Lori Collins and for Jason and Kim Melton. God, we pray that you will continue to heal them, give them strength and encouragement, God. God, we pray that, uh, that, that those around us can do everything possible to help them as they move forward. And God, in all things, we'll be thankful because that's what you've told us to do. God, in all things, we'll give you praise and glory for it all because it all lands before your throne. God, we thank you that in this darkest moment, you're still on your throne. God, we thank you that you have a plan, and we thank you that you have written us into your plan. So now, God, as I finish, I, I pray for the families in our church, those that are gathered here today, those watching at home. I pray for the boys and girls, the babies, the unborn, I pray for our senior adults. I pray for protection from this sickness. 
I pray for peace. I pray for faithfulness. I pray for, for hope, that hope will just swell up within them. And God, we know that biblical hope is a confidency, an expectation in you. Help us learn to expect from you, God. And help us then give you praise and glory for all that you've provided. And in all these things, we ask in Jesus' amazing name, God's people said, amen and amen. And before we sing our last song, I want to share this one passage from Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 31 it says, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? And then in verse 35, he says, who or what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, da danger, or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. And we were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we have complete victory through Him who loved us. For I am convinced, and church, you can be convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, who is the light of the world. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time, said this, to trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust Him in the dark, that is what faith is made of. And so with that church, I want you to know how much I love you. I appreciate you coming out today. God willing and government allowing, We'll do this again next week. You'll be receiving this week, hopefully, calls. We're going to start a thing called Care Calls. Just checking in with you to stay connected, to make sure everybody's doing okay. And if you need anything at all, you contact the church or contact me. And so now, we're going to sing a song. And as you leave, maybe, maybe you would like to give offering today, because that's what you do. We'll have people standing by the road you can just drop it in the bucket as you leave today you can also give online if, if that's what you choose to do you can go to our website and figure that out but I want you to know today that God is still on his throne God still has a plan the coronavirus has nothing on him that he cannot control and so as we begin to sing I want you to show a praise to the Lord. Let's blow our horns in honor of our great Savior, Jesus. Amen? Amen.